Hey now, welcome to the Screen Geeks podcast. I am Sean and with me always is my co-host Christian. Hey everyone. So today we're going to have a spoiler heavy episode. We're going to do a deep dive on Hawkeye episode five and later we're going to do our recap and review of Spider-Man No Way Home. So stay tuned. All right, Hawkeye episode five. Five of six, so one episode left. We open, it's a flashback to 2018. We see Elena. She's trying to help a Black Widow that she thinks is brainwashed. But after administering the antidote, we find out she's not actually under the Red Room mind control. And she's just living her life as a covert assassin type person. So Elena goes to the bathroom. She's staring at herself in the mirror washing her hands to me this was really reminiscent of that opening scene in um with scarlett johansson in black widow uh where uh general ross is after her and she's in the bathroom kind of staring at herself in the mirror washing her hands but um anyway we see elena get blipped away so that finally answers the question yeah when thanos did his snap elena was gone for the five years so we see her blipped away and then she comes back in an instant, but for her five years has passed and she learns from her widow friend that uh, Natasha has gone. So we, we don't see her learn that information, but it's implied that the friend fills her in on what happened when she was blipped away. Yeah. And I, it, I, I liked a lot about this opening scene the first thing I thought was pretty funny was when they administer that dose, like the way she's getting, like, you're thinking like, Oh, they, they helped her. They got her. And then the first yeah. thing she was concerned about was her rug. Yeah. You exactly. know, like, like, well, you're never like, going to get that red powder. Though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what kind of dyes are in that shit, but you know, yeah. like she's just like, gets up like what the fuck are you doing? Like, you know, and she's all concerned about that. And then I didn't even really think about what you were same with the bathroom scene like and thinking about natasha in the beginning of black widow and that that does make sense but i just really like the way that that was filmed yeah and like this was the first time we've seen like a full blip cycle Um, exactly in in uh wandavision we saw somebody come back from being blipped and kind of what it was like but this is the first time we've ever seen somebody be blipped away and then come back to where you know in their mind it was five seconds and yeah the way the way the whole like you know landscape kind of changed and then um you know it it was pretty cool for sure yeah no i mean i think they just filmed it really well and and it did show like what everyone went through because i mean it was like like you said five seconds and like what she said you know yeah. like five issues and it looks all crazy and then the bathroom changes because obviously five years later it's been painted and you know re- you know and, and then she walks out and the house is different and i i just really i really thought that was filmed pretty cool yeah no agreed so the episode comes to um we do the previously on and we see the marvel fanfare And we open up with Kate coming back to her mom's apartment. She's battered and bruised from last week's rooftop battle. Eleanor kind of helps clean up her wounds, which 
like I said, the, the hand washing scene was kind of reminiscent of Black Widow. So Eleanor helping clean up the, the wounds on Kate was reminiscent of that scene in episode two when Clint's helping patch her up. Yeah, but did you notice that, I, and I think, because that was one thing that I, I made a note of, she put the Band-Aid on wrong. Oh, that's a good catch. to Clint. Right, you know, I yeah, because you know, remember that was the thing when exactly. Clint came back, and he and he turned it, and I yep. just I, I don't you know I don't know if it was done on purpose or anything, but I just oh it was absolutely, just it was something I noticed that you know I was like oh she put it on. I mean that that con- the, that confirms right there, Eleanor equals bad guy, <laughs> right? Yeah, that she that she didn't even put the put the bandaid on correctly. Like yeah. I don't know, I, I just I totally noticed that in the moment. I was like, huh, no, good one, good catch. So. Kate tells Eleanor that her and Clint found out that Jack has been laundering money as the CEO of this company, Sloan Limited. And she just asks Eleanor, she makes a promise to look into it. And Eleanor agrees that she will. She tells Kate to go get her things because she's going to be staying there with her. So um, Kate leaves to go collect some of her belongings. And you know that that reaction right away from Eleanor was... I mean, if it, if she wasn't involved in shady shit, like she would have been so much more surprised or or right. It seems like this or, whole time you know, that like, Kate's been bringing up that she had suspicions about Jack. Eleanor just kept blowing it off, blowing it off, blowing it off. But as soon as Kate has a little bit of like real info, like real dirt, she actually drops the name Sloan Limited and stuff. Then all of a sudden, you could see like the the plan starting to formulate in Eleanor's brain that she needs to come at this from a different angle now. Yeah, definitely. So meanwhile, we see Kazi helping Maya get patched up after Maya was shot in the last episode with that arrow. Um, Maya says that she knows more is going on than they know about. Kazi kind of wants her to, you know, take a step back because it's getting too dangerous but in the end, he promises her that he'll help her get Ronan. But after that, they need to be done. So back to Kate. She goes to her charred apartment from the fire that we saw way back when. And who's there waiting for her but Yelena. And she's waiting with a pot of boxed homemade macaroni and cheese. <laughs> Delicious. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Like, who watched this and didn't instantly want a box of craft? I know. That's what I was, I was like, man, I want Elena to make me bring a, a mac and cheese. Right yeah. Now. No, great. it was a great scene. The two of them had such great chemistry. Um, the whole bit about Kate only having the one fork, and that's not cutlery. Although, like, to me, this was kind of, like, strange, because who eats macaroni and cheese with a fork anyway? Like, that's a that's a spoon meal or a spork maybe, but yeah. I would I would never just go for a fork if I'm eating macaroni and cheese. No, because you can only stab so many, and then you can't scoop enough. Like, it, yeah, it, yeah, it's it's always been a spoon for me too. <laughs> yeah, so it's a great scene. The two of them have great like chemistry. It seems like for most of the show, Kate's been kind of the sarcastic, witty one to Clint's like um, straight man. But in this scene, Kate kind of takes the straight, serious man type role. And Yelena is the one with the, the jokey jokes and, and everything. But it was good to see. Like, you know, we haven't really seen Yelena. I mean, we haven't seen Yelena since Black Widow. But this was the exact kind of humor that we got in that movie 
to what you know kind of made us fall in love with her in black widow and i this even further further if that yeah furthered my love for her i i I think she is she's just i mean obviously she's such a badass but she's also just she's so witty and funny and she also has this i'm not gonna say like childlike innocence but i mean because she lost her childhood right and so like the you get to see a lot of things she gets super excited about and i I just love seeing that like because kate you know she's like thinking she's joking yeah and then you know she's like no but like i love to like the things that she refers to like oh i love your your christmas you have the uh the reindeer with the superpowers yeah <laughs> you know and, she and talks about ask, eating reindeer no it's not good <laughs> like i you know and i love how she just say keeps calling her kate bishop and yeah kate I, bishop kate bishop yeah no i i love her character i think she's awesome she's just such a badass and i i, I love her humor yeah so they have a they have this nice exchange in the end, it starts getting a little bit serious when Yelena needs information. She's trying to find out where Clint is. Um, she tells Kate, you know, stay out of her way with Clint, that she doesn't know who he really is, that he's killed so many people. And Yelena tells Kate that someone hired her because of the bad person that he actually is. So we'll get to that later. But we, we flash over to Clint walking down the streets of New York. To me, this was very much kind of like a sad sack, Charlie Brown type walk. You know, they even had the the Peanuts music playing, the Peanuts Christmas music playing. And hey, that's funny. I didn't even, I, I know it was playing that music, but I didn't yeah. think about he's, that. <laughs> he's just, he looks just so defeated, I feel like. So he's walking down yeah. the street. He's going to Grill's house. So he goes upstairs at Grill's and... um he's going to end up like bunking there for the night and grills mentions that missy dropped off clint's and kate's new suits but clint is just too exhausted to even look at him so obviously this is happening next week where we're going to get these new uniforms for for both hawkeyes that were made by our our larpers um, which we talked about last week but it's happening yeah so the next morning clint um goes to I guess there's an Avengers plaque memorializing the Battle of New York. And it's kind of a touching scene. He turns off his hearing aid and he talks out loud to Natasha. And he mentions how she was the best of them all. He tells her that he wants to earn the second chance that she gave him and that he's sorry for what he has to, for what he's about to do. So we know that he's, he knows what has to be done to kind of finish what's going on right now. And he knows it's probably something Natasha wouldn't be proud of, but he has to do it. So he's almost kind of apologizing to her. Yeah. So I thought that was a really good scene. Um, We see Kate coming back to Eleanor's and when she walks in, uh, we see that Jack's being arrested and uh, he says, I've never worked a day in my life and yeah uh, which was funny well and it's kind of what we discussed before is that you know like you're saying he's a patsy is what you think and and 
I've never worked it, and I, that's what I think of him. Like he was born into money, and he hasn't really had to take any kind of big roles or bit. You know, that's my perception of him. Yeah. And so, you know, and I think that yeah, I've, I've never had to work a day in my life. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. Without a doubt. So, Eleanor tells Kate that she looked into it, and um, she discovered like you know Jack's dirty dealings or whatever, and. Jack insists that he was being framed. He says he doesn't blame Eleanor. He would have done the same thing, but it's all just a misunderstanding. So the cops take him away. Um, We see Clint calling Laura and he kind of catches her up on what's going on. And uh, they kind of allude to something. I don't know if to me that this scene kind of confirmed that the watch had to do with her especially we talked about last week when um they had the names of clint's kids and their birthdays and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. laura laura makes a comment about but you know we're so we were so careful me and the kids are so far away but clint says you know that doesn't it doesn't matter like you know pretty much these people they you know they'll find us anywhere yeah and so he says that he has to end this tonight before the big guy gets involved. And Laura says, you know, of, of, of everybody, like, I understand what you have to do. So do what you need to do. So Clint suits back up as the Ronin. And he gets a message to Maya saying to meet him where her father was killed. So Maya plans to ambush him with her gang. But once the meet actually happens that night, Ronan kind of takes out each of the tracksuits one by one. Him and Maya have a fight and he has a chance to kill her, but he doesn't. Instead, he unveils himself to her to show like who he really is that, you know, he's Clint. He is the Ronan and he tells her to stay away from his family. Otherwise, you know, it'll be the last thing she ever does. He also tells her that her boss was the one who ordered her father killed. And that he was tipped off by an informant inside the gang, like where the tracksuits were going to be that night. Go ahead. Oh, wait, I was going to say, and in that moment, too, even though she doesn't want to believe him and she's saying you're lame, I think it's the first moment, too, she realizes, I mean, he could have killed her instantly right there. It could have been done. He'd already taken out everyone. And he didn't need to keep her alive and in her mind she thought he was just a you know bloodthirsty maniac so why wouldn't he kill her exactly she knows him as the ronin and he just goes around killing people and the fact that and i mean he didn't kill any of her guys i mean he took them out but it, it and then he had the upper hand on her at the i mean he could easily killed her and he just was like i just want this to end but also you know no yeah you know i was tipped off and and it's as hard as it is for her to realize she definitely starts to suspect it which i know we'll we'll talk about next but yeah so she you know she says that that he's lying and she snatches the ronin sword from him but before she can strike clint we see kate shoot the weapon out of maya's hand because kate has followed clint there and kind of saves him and so uh, Clint disappears, Maya flees. We see Maya meet back up with Kazi and she asks him why he wasn't there the night her dad died. She says, you know, he was her number, he was 
her dad's number two, so why wasn't he there? And Kazi kind of nervously says that he just never got the call. But it, it, I think it's implied there that we're supposed to think that Kazi was the informant for Clint that night. Yeah, I mean, if in that moment, too, she's realizing, like, thinking back about things, like, yeah, you were the number, two, like, why weren't you? There? And then the fact that he would say, like, well, I didn't get the call. Like, okay, if you were his number two. Right. You, you're not getting the call for that, you know? Right. Like, no. So Clint and Kate meet back up and they take an Uber. And uh, Kate tells Clint that the widow that they fought the other night was Natasha's sister. And Clint knows that her name's Jelena. So obviously Natasha has told Clint all about her, you know, her family and all that in the past. Um, but Clint kind of, um, I don't know, seems remorseful and it, it's almost kind of like sad to him that that's Yelena because I think he thinks that she thinks that he's responsible for Natasha's death, which yes and no, he is, but, um, it's just kind of like a little sad moment. Yeah. I, you can tell right then in the back seat he he kind of realizes like well i understand why right she's coming after me but you know i mean she obviously doesn't know the whole story but right and also if it comes down to yeah, another no, fight where it's like kill or be killed like he's not going to kill natasha's sister exactly he would never it, it, it doesn't matter i mean if in she ended up getting the upper hand on him he would probably just let it right like he's not going to kill her like knowing everything all the ties he has in natasha and what he owes you know yeah so we see elena following eleanor back to eleanor's apartment and um kate and clint go back to grill's place and uh lucky the pizza dog is there although we still haven't actually had him with an official name of lucky i don't think at this time (laughs) no they haven't so um, they're kind of playing around and Kate gets text messages from an unknown number, but we instantly know it's Yelena because it says Kate Bishop. And we know <laughs> Yelena was saying her full name all the time. Um, and Yelena says that her mother is the one that hired her to kill Clint. She thought that she deserved to know and she sent a photo as proof. Uh, Kate's kind of stunned and she shows Clint the photo and says who is that and Clint kind of looks scared and he says that's the one that he's been worried about the whole time that's the kingpin yeah and obviously as you said I think in our first pocket like it's it was the not best what'd you say the not best right. kept <laughs> you know, right whatever. yeah so, you know like we knew this was coming um we i mean we didn't know for sure that eleanor was going to be involved with him but you know we we knew yeah. he was going to make an appearance and 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 that but they're really they're really like teasing us with it though you know we got that one little um his voice for a split second a few episodes back and now we just get like a blurry photo of him but you know it's definitely it's Vincent D'Onofrio as the kingpin, you know, confirmed. But uh, yeah. that was an exciting way to end the episode. When it ended, I was like, "What? Like, it's over?" You know, like it was a it was a decently you know sized episode, but it just flew by. It was longer than the previous week, but 
when I saw that picture and then ended, I'm like, wait, no, we're only like 11 minutes in. No, yeah. like, you know, like, it's what it felt like. And, and of course they leave it on that kind of cliffhanger going into the final episode. Yeah. But, and then I love the Mr. Grinch song playing over the credits too. It just like, right. Really set the mood, you know, it's like, Oh shit, we're in Kingpin territory now. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I cannot wait to see what happens on the final episode, yeah. but you know, I, I thought that was a really good episode. It was well done. And we got to see more of Elena and, and then we finally got to confirm kingpin being involved and yeah. confirm that eleanor is a horrible human being right <laughs> uh, but you know I, I yeah i mean i'm i'm just really curious to, to see where it goes next week because i don't yeah. now with this information with kate you know she when she was little she that was her first thing was like i did this all to like protect my mom now you know that my dad died right. it's always been her thing and now she's seen her wh- what her mom's involved in and i i don't know i yeah it, it so it's funny like so we have one episode left and even though i i read that it's a it's a really long episode something like 59 minutes long or something but you know probably eight to ten minutes of that will probably be those end credits that take forever but even yeah. still it's it's a longer episode but I feel like we have so many storylines that need to be tied up still. You know, we, we know that Maya is getting her own show. We have an Echo show coming. So we definitely need to check in with her next week. You know, her and Kazi in some fashion. But I don't think they need to dedicate a lot of time to her storyline because it seems like maybe this will be the jumping off point for her own show is realizing that her boss kingpin was the one actually responsible for her dad getting killed so like i said i think we'll touch base with them but we don't need to spend a lot of time with them but we need to tie up the yelena thing you know she has to have some sort of a showdown with clint and they need to straighten that out obviously kate has to have a confrontation with her mom um something is going to happen with jack we need to finally get resolution on the whole watch thing and find out you know was it laura's how is she involved who is she whatever's going on we need resolution on the pizza dog and his name (laughs) um and then i guess like the the kingpin thing like is he actually going to be a figure in this episode? Is it just going to be like a small scene, you know, really setting up his involvement in a future MCU show? Um, is he going to be a player in the episode? I don't really know. It just seems like we have a lot of stuff we need to cover. Not to mention Clint getting home for Christmas, which has kind of been, like I said, way back when the ticking clock that's propelled us through this whole series. So we have so much to do in so little time, it seems like. Well, I, I, I agree with, I don't think we're going to see too much more with Echo and, and probably even Kingpin because they're just, uh, you know, even if the, the last episode was two hours, there just wouldn't be enough time to wrap right. up everything, like you said. And so I think it's going to be more concentrated on Clint and Kate and Eleanor and, you know, and, 
we may have a confrontation with Kingpin, maybe a little bit more of the Echo, but I, I agree that once we see Echo's new show, that's going to be more about her confrontation with Kingpin and, you know, and going through yeah. that because there's just not enough time to wrap up anything else, you know? Yeah, and, no, for sure. And, and I still, as we've talked about every week, I just still hope that Clint gets to ride off in the sunset. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, at this point, I feel like that's the, uh, it has to, you know, like, I feel like the tone of the show is not the tone of the show when we first started where like it was possible that they could have killed him. I don't think you could do that in, in this show. I think this show has been, um, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's been too light, you know, it's been too, too much fun. You know, I don't think you could go that dark and, um, it just wouldn't be like a, 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 a resolution that I think everybody would be satisfied with. So Clint's definitely getting his happy ending. I'm pretty sure, but, uh, he's probably gonna have to go through some shit to get there yeah and again i i think that if he did die i mean so many people a would be upset about it but b it it's almost a disservice to black widow to, you know to, to right. natasha because because she's the one that i mean she sacrificed herself to to see him redeem himself and go live with his family, you know? And yeah, I, I, yeah, I just really hope that, that, that doesn't happen. Yeah. One thing that this episode did do also is, and I thought about this when I saw black widow is, um, you know, in, in Avengers Endgame, Natasha wants to be the one to sacrifice herself because she has, you know, nothing and nobody and so once we meet and she kind of reunites with her family and black widow i wondered like well did they all blip away because if you know her sister is still around during those five years then it kind of retcons what happened in endgame and it wouldn't really make sense but i'm glad that we saw no yelena was blipped away also so in Natasha's mind, she's sacrificing herself, not just to bring back all her Avengers friends and half of the whole universe, but also her sister. Yeah, who just, we just saw in, I mean, we didn't see it at that point when you know, Endgame came out, but we know that she'd been reunited with her sister finally, and they did a great thing together, and and reestablish the relationship. So of course, yeah, she's going to want to see her live on now. Yeah, exactly. So one episode left Wednesday night or Wednesday day, depending when you watch it, I guess. Um, I'm excited. Uh, I think it's been a really good series. Um, I just hope that they find enough time to kind of wrap up all these storylines. I guess we're not going to get Kate's, dad back maybe he was dead all along or maybe maybe when we when kate and eleanor have the confrontation we'll at least like actually find out what happened to Derek um that day but seems like he probably really is dead at this point i guess unless that's like a cliffhanger i was like so one last thought on that um you had asked me before like oh who do you think eleanor called yeah and said hey we have this problem and i my my first thought was kingpin and that's what i had said 
Yeah. And then I thought about it more and I'm like, maybe it was Kate's dad. Yeah. Maybe, you know, you know, and he's tied into this still somehow who knows, maybe Kingpin saw an opportunity to get involved within this security firm because they have access to so many things and said, Hey, you know, I, I can hide your husband out, fake his death, pay for all this shit, get you back on your feet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe it was something like that too for, cause obviously again, it was something that we had talked about, like, well, how did they go from broke to incredibly rich again? You know? Right. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, for sure. And you know, um, like we know that Loki is having a season two, uh, WandaVision is not, and you can't really do a season two of that, but they are doing a spin-off series with Agatha Harkness. Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is not having a season two, but they are making a new Captain America movie that picks up where that series left off. And so I don't think they've ever confirmed or denied uh, a Hawkeye season two. I don't think that if they do it, it will be the same Hawkeye series that we're getting now. I think this is the end of Clint Barton, but maybe in the future there will be another series with Kate involved, or maybe Kate will be making appearances on the Echo Show. I don't really know, but maybe you don't necessarily have to tie up every storyline um, just because maybe maybe they have a plan for the future that we don't know about. I agree. I I, I think this is clint's last go but i mean it can't be kate's you know well we know she's she's yeah she's the future of you know the avengers it seems like like you know her and a handful of other people that we've been setting up in all these shows and movies so she's definitely got a bright future ahead but um yeah i think this is probably it for for clint agreed all right, so I think that's that's it for Hawkeye episode five. We'll be back next week to talk about the season finale. And stay tuned, because when we come back, we're going to do a recap and review of Spider-Man No Way Home. So we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Spider-Man No Way Home opened this weekend. It's getting really high cinema scores from fans. Seems like the critics seem to like it a lot. And uh, obviously the box office is blowing up. Um, I read that Friday alone it made $121.5 million. So this is going to be without a doubt the biggest opening of the uh, like pandemic era. But it's going to... It's probably going to open to the second biggest weekend ever next to Avengers Endgame. So Christian and I both saw it. Um, we have a lot of thoughts about it. So Christian, why don't you go ahead and start us off? What, what did you think? First of all, it, you know, if we would have had our ranking Spider-Man. Wait, before we start, we should say spoilers. This entire uh, yeah. thing is spoilers. So if you uh, haven't uh, seen the movie, turn this off now. Yeah. Like, do not listen past this point. I'll give you three seconds to, to log off you and make sure you, you go see it first before you listen. Yeah. But past that, it, 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 if we are ranking Spider-Man's again, like we did last week, I think this, th- there's a new number one for me. 
on, yeah. on the list. Well, what and this it, was able to do was kind of what we got in the Avengers movies was take a bunch of standalone things and tie them all together. But they did it in a, like a really good way. Exactly. And as we had discussed last week, and it was my worry was with the original Spider-Man trilogy with the third one being too bloated with all the characters. And it, I mean, it just never worked. And they were able to bring in all these past villains, these big actors, bring in three Spider-Mans, and it didn't feel like it was shorted. You no, know what I mean? Not like, at all. It, and what, what surprised me was how much of the movie had all three of them. Like, you know, every... Everything that happens in this movie, we already knew. Like, you know, Sony, Sony is the worst when it comes to leaks. So we, <laughs> we knew everything. We knew that Matt Murdock was showing up, which that was a great scene. You know, it was just, it was one little scene, but it was fantastic. Um, the theater Catching that the I break. was in yeah. went absolutely <laughs> apeshit when he went on screen. Here's mine too. But everyone started clapping when he, when he showed up and you're right. Yeah. That so, like, and then he catches the break, and I'm like, ah. "Oh yeah, so good." Because it's like Peter was right there too, about to catch it, you know. And Peter's almost like, you know, like, "How did you do that?" And I'm a, good, I'm a great lawyer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, great scene. Like, I'm so excited that they're bringing him in. I'm wondering if he's gonna make his way into the Echo Show, also. You know, now that we know that Kingpin's back in the the mix and involved, but. I'm glad to see Charlie Cox like back with those rose colored glasses. Yeah. As soon as I saw that, you know, his, his, his walking stick, like hit the ground. Yeah. I knew it was him right away. Oh yeah. You know, oh yeah. You know, it was like, Oh, there he is. And he sits down. Yeah. So, so we, we knew he was making an appearance. We knew about all the villains. You know, if you watch the trailer, um, they, you know, they flat out showed us Doc Ock. They showed us Green Goblin. They showed us Sandman. They showed us Electro. You know, we knew all these guys, Lizard. We knew they were coming back. I don't know if they would have given us that if all that info hadn't leaked already. But like I said, Sony's terrible about keeping things secret. And the other thing Sony's terrible at is like promotions, like their marketing stuff. Like I, I wish they had held more back from us. I wish we didn't know so much going into it, but even knowing everything we knew, we knew that Toby and Andrew Garfield were coming back. Um, you know, we knew obviously that Dr. Strange was involved. <clears throat> if you saw Venom, let there be carnage. You knew that the after credit scene on that kind of set up the fact that he was probably going to make an appearance in this. So we knew so much. And I wish we didn't know all that. But having I, said that, even knowing it all did not take away from how epic the movie was. 100% agree. Like, it was amazing. I loved it. But could you imagine, and I was thinking this, like, as soon as Andrew Garfield comes in first, obviously, and we get that, and then we get Tobey Maguire coming in. And I was, I was so excited, but I was also thinking, like, could you imagine if nobody knew that right. that was coming like I that, it would i i would i would shit myself yeah i would have been like are you fucking kidding me i would have i would have been so shocked at just andrew garfield at first you know yeah. what i mean like like oh my god and then the see you know like but yeah you're right i mean it, it, it was one of the things that everybody already knew going into it 
mostly everybody knew. Yeah. You know, and it, it did it take away from the epicness? No, but it also would have been like I, I don't think anybody would have seen that coming. Right. If they would have kept that a, a total yeah. secret, like who would have thought that was going to happen? Right. You know? Which, you know, like Andrew Garfield's been making the the rounds because he has um, a movie out right now, Tick, Tick, Boom on Netflix. And obviously, you know, there's been a billion questions about is he in Spider-Man? And he just kept saying no, 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 no. Um, and so that was one thing that obviously like Sony or Marvel never confirmed, but it was you know, whatever, whatever the saying was, I said that one time, the the best kept not secret or whatever it was, you know, it's like we knew, but we didn't know, but that doesn't take away from the fact that when Ned has that sling ring and he opens that portal and you see Spider-Man in the distance, but that ain't Tom Holland. Like you instantly knew. And again, the theater was, it was pandemonium like this this is the reason why you see movies in theaters for that moment people went crazy to the point where andrew garfield's first few lines of dialogue we couldn't even hear because the (laughs) cheering the shouting the clapping it was just electric in the auditorium yeah i uh no it was the same thing in the, the theater i saw it in it the appearances of both of them were just electric in the theater and yeah. and it was and and again i was also i was thinking same things like god if if i wouldn't have known about this my jaw would be on the fucking floor right now yeah. you know and um and so yeah like the you know so andrew gets his couple scenes and then um then they bring toby in uh dressed like a youth pastor <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was a great a great joke Um, and just seeing the two of them together like gave me goosebumps you know but then when we get all three of them and the three of them like have such a great relationship and you see how they're all like so similar um you know and i don't know if you know like that spider-man pointing meme that's been around for a while but they kind of yeah the three of them the right right and they they kind of like recreated that in the lab and stuff which was fantastic um, wait which peter wait, peter park that doesn't yeah that doesn't you know, yeah like, yeah we're, the spider you know, right you know. and so you know like last week we kind of talked about the three series is and um you know what we liked and what we didn't like about all of them but like after this it's almost like none of that matters like it, it like that those were just moments in time you know and they they brought them all together and like right now, who doesn't want to see a third Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie? Like, I feel like we're, we're, we're aching for it. You know, it was so good to see Toby back. You know, he's obviously older and they made reference to the fact that, you know, um, you know, we haven't seen him in 10, 14 years or whatever it's been. So in his universe, like he's been living a life, you know, and I'm, I'm curious what, what has he been up to? What's been going on? We, we find out that Andrew Garfield, after, you know, his Gwen Stacy dies, um, he kind of goes dark. He says he stops pulling his punches, which was, um, you know, kind of took my breath away a little bit. It's like, oh, like, it, it, like I, I'd be curious to, like, see that movie, you know, like a darker Spider-Man, like a, a tortured Bruce Wayne, but of Peter Parker. 
Yeah, and you you see the emotion when you know at first Tom Holland's basically like you don't know how I'm feeling, but that's not true. Like I mean, Andrew Garfield's like, I mean, what he lost, you know, has obviously affected him so bad, and you really saw the emotion in him. And then you know, and then obviously Tobey Maguire and talk about Uncle Ben and stuff, but. as we talked last week ranking the spider-mans and stuff for some reason after seeing this new one i agree that i'm like man i actually kind of want to see andrew garfield again now like i don't see like uh, now i want to see a third one there whereas before i was like okay you know like i wouldn't have like disliked the idea but I, you know, I, I'm, I was just digging on Tom Holland so much that, you know, I yeah. hadn't really thought of it. But after seeing him here now, I'm like, yeah, I, I would be the first one in line to see that one. Right. <laughs> you know? And, you know, it's it's easy. I could see how, like, Tom Holland's performance could get overshadowed because we've got Toby and Andrew back. And Andrew Garfield is a fantastic actor. And with his, you know, um, those, those few, like, looks you know, that the, the line about, you know, stop pulling his punches when he's talking about losing Gwen. And then when he's the one to save MJ and, you know, he, he like starts tearing up because it's like, he couldn't save his girl, but he's able to save, you know, our Peter's girl. And um, I just, he packed a punch, like an emotional punch for sure in this movie. Yeah. Cause she was like, are you, are you okay? Like, I, you know, he saved her and then she's yeah. like, are you, you know, like yeah. she saw the emotion coming through and it was because in that moment, it was like a redemption for him. The only kind of redemption he could have, that's as close as he could have is a redemption, you know, right. for, for in, in his world. And, right. and, and yeah, I mean, it was so emotional and so, you know, and then, <laughs> Past that, I just love the humor between the three of them. Oh yeah, you know, you know, and even like before Andrew Garfield was saying, like, "Oh, I feel so like you were in space, like you fought right," you know? <laughs> like, or you like, know, like <laughs> I like when at first, like the three of them aren't really, you know, when they're fighting, they're not really on the same page. And uh, Tom Holland Spider Man has to make a comment about like he's worked on a team before, he knows how it should go. You know, he's part of the Avengers. And Toby's kind of like, oh my gosh, that's great. What are the Avengers? And you realize that. That, that, you know, the two, like Andrew and Toby that are in the, you know, just the Sony Spider-Man universes, there is no Avengers there. So, you know, they're, they're the only superheroes in their world. So um, I like that, you know, Tom Holland has to kind of take the lead, which he should, it's his movie. And, you know, I'll get to his performance and kind of like his emotional beats in a minute, but I like that he's the one that helps the three of them work together. When you see the three of them like all swing out together and it's a little confusing trying to like pinpoint which one's which I think, but it's just like, you know, it it makes your stomach sink. It's like, Oh my gosh. Well, we've never seen anything like this before. Right. You know, on on the big screen, it's, it was just an amazing thing to see those three come out together like that. And obviously they even though it was the first time they met 
technically like they have such a connection well right they're, i mean they yeah, are you know they're this you know they're the same person for all intents and purposes yeah you know, they, they've lived different lives but they're all peter parker exactly you know i did i also loved i don't know if you were i, I don't know if you're gonna mention this next but just the revelation of toby Maguire spider-man having the web that comes out yeah of his wrist is, is that the only place it shoots out of <laughs> yeah is that the only or is uh, it's like no yeah and then like andrew garfield's like yeah just such a hat like i gotta make mine in the lab and yeah. like yeah that would like, be so weird for the you know our two spider-men like um you know they they do they've manufactured their webs but toby's in that first series like it was just part of his spider bite i guess yeah and they were like when they first saw it they were like what Nick, I'm out of here. You know, like yeah. they just, and, you know, I, I, I thought that was cool. And then, yeah, just them always like talking each other up. And, right. Like, oh, just I, the banter, I, you know? at the end, when the three of them like have that hug and it's just like, I love you guys, you know? Yeah. It was like, I, I was crying. That's for sure. You know, it's uh, like, uh, no. like, you know, even though Tom Holland has had, um, you know, Ned and he's had MJ and uh, May or whoever, Happy, Tony Stark. It's like nobody could like really understand what he was going through, you know, like a teenager that gets superpowers and just wants to be your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. But these two can understand because they were there. And that that's actually how, you know, they get through to him. You know, we see we see May die in this movie and um, it's it's terrible. And Tom Holland, this is where his acting chops came to play, because you can see like he's he's broken when that happens. And we kind of get Marissa Tomei giving the, you know, with great power comes great responsibility thing. And that's how Toby and Andrew are able to get through to him and make him realize, hey, we've been there. Like this happened to us also. Yeah, it was just different people. And I mean, it was Uncle Ben, you know, but I mean, but it's the same love that in connection that they had to those people, you know, that he had to Aunt May, obviously. And you know, and as you joked about before, like, you know, and Aunt May was like 117. Right. But um, no, I mean, that God, that scene was so sad with Aunt May here. And you're right, Tom Holland, the way he was holding it. And then, you know, and then he didn't even want to believe it himself. And he kept just like, please look at me, please look, you know, like, yeah, well, you know, and and you just, I mean, he was, he's a kid again there, you know, that this, that's in, um, you know, Infinity War when he gets blipped away and, you know, he's falling in Tony's arms and saying he's scared. He doesn't want to go. Like, that's when you look at him and you're like, God, he's just, he's, he is, he's a kid. He is just a kid. He's scared. I feel bad for him. And it's like, we were back in that situation. You know, it's, he doesn't, like you said, he doesn't want to believe it's actually happening. And it's just, it was heartbreaking. Well, and, and Dr. Strange mentions that at the very end too. Like I, I, he says something like, I always forget or keep forgetting that you're just a kid. Yeah. You know, you know, and, and I think that's the thing, like you, you give powers like this to a high school kid. And I mean, and what he's been through, what he's experienced, and he hasn't even ever had a chance to be an adult. I mean, you know, Tony Stark was this huge figure and then became Iron Man. Doctor Strange was, you know, this doctor, you know, right. world famous doctor, you know. And I mean, I mean, Surgeon, there was just yeah. so, yeah, there, there was so many different aspects to like 
other heroes, you know, compared to him. And, and yeah, you get to see those moments where it comes back to like, no, he, you know, he, he has never had the chance to be an adult. Yeah. Which I mean, at so we'll kind of jump in around here, but you know, strange ends up casting the original spell and um, to where everybody's gonna, everybody that knows Peter Parker, as Spider-Man is going to forget. And I love the subtle little drop where strange is like, um, you know, everybody, I forget exactly what he says, but um, everyone who loves you, we're going to forget, you know, implying that like he loves Peter, you know, he he was annoyed with them. The two of them kind of had a a scuffle and um, they had a disagreement in that movie, but like in that moment, like strange is saying like he loves Peter which was, you know, um, sad knowing that now Strange isn't even going to remember Peter. I feel like this movie, because of this plot device, has really taken Spider-Man out of the Avengers world. And, you know, obviously Spider-Man is a Sony property and they've been in cahoots with Disney to get Spidey in the MCU and all this. But it seems like they've really set up Spider-Man, Tom Holland to be his own man now and his own thing. Yeah. And that's what I'm curious about. I don't, I don't know where they're going from here with regards to that, but it is weird to think like at the end, like he, and you see happy walk up to the grave, you know, with it's like, nobody knows who he and not only that it was a trip to see too at the very end with you know he puts down his ged book right even though like he's like this highly intelligent kid that could have gone to mit you know right but now he's he's in this shitty apartment you know reminiscent of toby in spider-man 2 when you know after he stopped living with harry when he was renting that crap apartment you know all that's missing is the russian guy next door screaming for rent well yeah and it, i i don't know it's just it, it i didn't think about him being forgotten as much until i saw kind of that part i'm like we, i mean he just doesn't even like exist like it's not even a part you know like oh we were never friends with this guy or we we're you know it's yeah i mean there there was no peter parker yeah you know? And um, I thought Zendaya was really good in this movie too. You know, I haven't seen her in a ton of things. Like obviously we saw Dune, but she had like 30 seconds in that movie. And um, I never saw, I never watched the first season of Euphoria that she's in. So, you know, I saw her in The Greatest Showman and I've seen her um, obviously in these Spider-Man movies, but this is the most she's ever had to do. And um, in the first couple movies, she was more, um, disconnected and distant and kind of bris but in this one like she really like got to act you know she really had some emotions and like when at the end when she's standing there and she knows that she's about to forget him and she's telling him like you know that he's got to help her remember like she she had my heartstrings like pulling for sure it made me and I don't mean to sound like an asshole towards Kristen Dunst but it made me realize how much better her MJ is than Kirsten Dunst's MJ yeah. like I mean 
in this movie like how much funnier she was like she was witty you know it like when they had that phone conversation and you know in peter's like he, he's like making fun of her he's like you know i know how much you love people she's like i just you know yeah i love you know <laughs> you know like you know like you, i mean she's just sarcastic and and no i really i really like her version of it of mj yeah and that scene at the end when uh peter goes to the coffee shop or the donut shop and um you know he's got his little notes of like what he's gonna say to her to like you know try to get her to remember him or you know to to kind of tell her what happened and then he sees that you know she's happy ned's there he's happy they're going to mit which is what you know started this whole thing in the first place was the fact that because of him and his actions he kind of messed up all of their futures in a in a way um and so he he doesn't do it and he just i guess decides to live this life life of isolation because he knows that when people are close to to him that they end up suffering somehow yeah and it also showed too at the end that even though this the, nobody remembers who he is you know that deep down on some level that isn't gone you know and you of can course. see that you know you can see that in her like you know when he finishes her you know disappointed <laughs> philosophy you know and and just even the way she's like looking at him like it, it's like it's almost like she knows deep down that she somehow knows him but just she doesn't remember you know and 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 it was kind of heartbreaking but you're right like he he walked in there and he realized like i almost lost mit for these two i almost got them killed i don't you know all this and they're happy they're going to mit yeah i'm gonna for a split second i thought they were gonna show us that ned and mj were together I thought that's, I thought and, when, he, when Ned walked in, I thought they were yeah. I honestly oh, I was that. like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad they didn't do that because that I couldn't have handled that. No, they're just still just really good friends. And, you know, and I, who knows what's going to happen in the future, like we're saying. But yeah. in that moment, he was just thinking, well, it's either it's not the time or maybe it'll never be the time. I don't know. But, yeah. you know he, he, he i don't know so yeah there was it was great because there was a lot of emotion in this movie like a lot of sad moments happy moments and a lot of humor you know and just the yeah way the, those, the, the little inside the, joke when toby needs his back cracked yes and you know like i don't know if you remember but before like between spider-man one and spider-man two he made seabiscuit and he kind of fucked up his back really bad to the point where they thought they were going to have to recast him in Spider-Man 2. And they were going to put yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal Jake in Gyllenhaal. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the fact that, that, I mean, even in that Sam Raimi movie, they made a joke about, you know, my back. Um, but that they brought that back. And, you know, it was a funny scene with Andrew cracking his back for him. Um, but I thought that was really funny. If we're, if we're picking nits, um, a couple things that I didn't love um the first like you know 20 20 30 minutes of this movie is the only time we get a lot of the characters that we set up in the first two movies you know that's the only time we get flash they get 
Martin Starr and um, JB Smoove in there as the teachers just for a second. And I feel like Hannibal Burris, right? Which he was really funny. Um, But I feel like it, we, we lost a little bit of that, like John Hughes type tone that I talked about that the, you know, the first couple uh, movies in the series had. So I'm glad that they got them in there, but um, I, you know, I, I miss them throughout the movie a little bit. And I agree. You know, I, I honestly didn't really think about that before, but, but you're right. And I, well, and I think it came down to timing. I mean, the right. I mean, yeah, we don't, it's not a four hour movie and I I love how much time that they gave to Toby and Andrew, because I, I knew that they were going to be there, but I thought they were going to show up for like a scene or two and then chip in on the final battle. But then it's going to come down to Tom Holland versus whoever in the end, but they were actually in, you know, if, you know, at least a third, if not half of that movie and up to the very end, it really was the three of them for that climax. And even though, you know, Tom gets the big emotional moment where he wants to take out Goblin, you know, he's kind of seeing red and Toby has to stop him. Um, it was the three of them. And, and I love that. I thought that was great. Like, you know, the fact that they filmed that much of that movie and I won't say it was kept a secret, but it was never like actually confirmed that they were in that movie, knowing how many hundreds of people work on a film set. Like that, that was impressive. I thought. I would have thought that they were going to show up, say like in the Statue of Liberty scene. Like where yeah. I was thinking more of Tom Holland's in trouble, too many villains, and then they show up like they came through, you know, and, yeah. and now they're going to help them out kind of thing. But, but you're right. I mean, they were, they showed up and they got their own individual like entrances and then they were working with him in the lab and then they had a lot of conversations and, yeah, and, and, and they actually kind of propelled like their storylines, you know, you know, 20 year old movies like the Sam Raimi trilogy or Andrew Garfield's movies, but like they actually continued like those character arcs, which I thought was fantastic. And the fact that um, we got all of those villains back too, you know, Willem Dafoe, um, Alfred Molina. Real quick, by the way, Willem Dafoe, I thought he didn't skip a beat for the goblin character oh, i yeah. thought he was fantastic like like it was like it brought me back to 2002 or whatever year it was to, you know when the first spider-man came out like it just yeah the, the laugh i mean everything like that about him was like god like he, that he's like he was so sinister at times but then when he was you know um supposed to be sympathetic he was sympathetic and i think it was a smart decision to get rid of that goofy mask because I mean, Willem Dafoe is scary as fuck, you know, on his own. Like <laughs> you don't, you don't need that mask, you know. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, but I mean, you know, Jamie Foxx, I did not love. You know, I I don't think Jamie Foxx is a very good actor. That's my hot take. Hot, get it, Electro. Um, <laughs> but we get Thomas Hayden Church back for a small role as Sandman. We get Risa Fons back as the Lizard. So you know, everybody everybody was back. One one thing that I'll throw out there too, it's it's I wouldn't even say it's like a continuity error, but 
you know, anybody that knows Peter Parker Spider-Man um, comes, right? So where's Kirsten Dunst's MJ or uh, Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy? Because even though Gwen died, you know, so did Goblin, so did Doc Ock, like they get pulled in supposedly before their deaths. So I would, I would think in theory, they should be there too. And then what happens when they all get sent back? Like now that things have changed, um, you know, is it, are they um, like variants now? Like, you know, the, the branches of time split off, you know, is this an alternate world for Toby and Peter that they're going, or Toby and Andrew that they're going back to? I don't really know. Well, I think that's the problem to and what's always difficult with any kind of time travel or multi, you know, the yeah. multiverse, you know, is exactly how it would play out. And I do wonder, like, why specifically was it only these villains that came through at the time? And maybe it was just because it was that small window before right the strange shut down we, and yeah it, we see at the you know, end that there are we see like the rhino is coming and um some other people that i think we haven't even met in the mcu yet but um you know more were coming and so um you know like i said it's it's not i would not even call it like a continuity error i just thought it was noteworthy that neither of the love interests were there and they i don't want them for sure like there's enough people in this movie we don't need more characters like mucking things up you know and we don't need andrew or toby their priorities to be anywhere other than helping tom's peter you know yeah and it does make me wonder though like the way that all the villains were describing it it seems like they were brought over right before the moments of their death you know because they were talking about like i was you know in the middle of this and and Except I don't think the lizard ever died. I think he was just in prison at the end of the Amazing Spider-Man, if I remember right. My, now I'm trying to think back on that one, but I mean, you know, yeah, we saw. I mean, we obviously, I mean, remember Doc Ock drowning. Right. Remember, yeah, yeah. you know, the but you know, and yeah, then the famous scene with the goblin where Spider-Man does the backflip over. Right. His, you know it. But yeah, you're right. I mean, to me, it's like if they were brought over here at that moment when they're brought back does it go right back to that moment yeah. or no and they I mean and if it does then they're not like i mean and we did see like alfred Molina, like he turned good in the end right like right before you know and, and, it, and we know it was the chip and we've and i did like his performance too here yeah like you know i i always really liked him as a villain and then i really liked him as the nice guy too. I mean, you know, once he's fixed, mm-hmm. you saw that change and, you know, and he come and I knew too, as soon as he came up and he was pretending to fight the spider men. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, no, he's, he's going to yeah. help them right now. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, so does he go back in that moment where he was fighting, fighting Spider-Man and about to die, but now he's, I mean, I don't yeah. know. Well, and and so here's the thing also, like, and um, I know you haven't seen Loki, but we we learn in Loki kind of the people that are in charge of um, like clipping branches when there's like a deviation from like the main timeline. Um, And at the end of that series, that whole thing's kind of blown up. So we know now that there, there can be multiple timelines. 
So I assume that they're going to go back to a world and yeah, like, uh, you know, uh, Doc Ock's not going to drown and Electro's not going to get killed or, um, you know, what Thomas Aiden Church is the Sandman, you know, they're all going back to a time where things can be different, which I thought was a, a pretty smart, you know, it was a different way to do things because you you think you're going to bring back all these villains and they're just going to be villains again. But we kind of forget that they all started as normal people, you know, that had mostly good intentions, but because of malfunctioning chips or weird serums, they end up turning bad. But the fact that, um, you know, Tom Holland's Peter with, you know, encouragement from May doesn't want to just see them as villains and sees that they deserve a second chance um, was a really good take on bringing all those bad guys back. Yeah. And the other question is when they do go back, if, you know, they're good, like the moment in time they go back and do they remember what happened or is it they're back in their universe with you know no knowledge of what just happened and they're just good you know at that point is kind of what i was wondering too yeah i don't know um good thoughts great movie so uh let's go ahead and give it a rating so one to ten what say you uh i i mean i gotta give it a 9.1 okay um i was thinking 9.5 so i mean this is it's it's dang near a 10 you know i need a little bit more distance from it like you know we kind of have like recency bias i think you know just coming off of it we're so juiced right now so Mm -hmm. you know in a month i might look back and and find a few more flaws you know right now i'm willing to overlook the fact that strange gets bested by peter or all of a sudden ned can just use a sling ring and you know i'll let it slide but um i think it's a solid 9.5 i think this is probably the best standalone spider-man movie i don't think that anything will be able to ever top it like having all three of them back together in that one movie um so i i loved it and like you need to see this in the theater you know a crowded theater people going bananas people clapping cheering uh we didn't even talk about like the the stingers after the movie where we get that scene with venom and it kind of setting up the fact that the symbiote is now is in our our tom holland's peter's world and then the after after credit scene is we got a full trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is coming out in March, so that's exciting. Yeah, and I, I, I say nine point one right now, and it honestly it could go up in in time. I mean, I'm talking years, depending on what sure. we see from because there were the few things that honestly brought my score down, and it was just a couple of things we talked about already, and then. Um, kind of what you mentioned with ned stuff like i mean if in time like if i find out like if ned goes under dr dr strange's wing and we find out that he actually possesses the ability to you know what i mean yeah sure because like i mean there are certain things like that i think that in the future i could be like okay like that makes sense now but 
in the moment, it's just, you know, a couple things that I'm, you know, probably being too critical about. But I mean, 9.1 is an amazing rate because I don't, right. I don't, it's an A movie. I, I don't give movies like, I mean, there's no like perfect movie, you know, almost, uh, but like, I don't know, it, Avengers it, Endgame, that's a 12. Well, I was gonna say, but but that, and I think that's for me saying 9.1 is going against like Endgame, which is still superior, you right. know, nothing and, can you know, touch that. And, and it could go up to a 9.3 for me, you know, depending on where this goes and how they deal with some of the things that I was just a little bit critical of, you yeah. know, and not even, not even that, just not even critical. Know. Yeah, I yeah. got you. We, we love the movie. This was a fantastic Amazing. movie. It was a yes. fantastic experience. The crowd cheering, you know, the excitement, like that's, that's why you go to the movies instead of watching a movie at home. And, you know, in the last two years, we've all got accustomed to just watching movies at home. And I think we've all kind of had the attitude like, well, what do I need to go to the movies for? But that's why you go to the movies. And, um, you know, obviously I worked at a theater for 13 years and people ask me all the time, like, you know, wasn't that a really fun job? Like, don't, don't you miss it? And my answer is always, no, I don't miss it. But what I do miss is that the excitement of opening night, star Wars, Harry Potter, hunger games, the new Marvel movie, whatever it is where the real fans come out, and everybody's excited and everybody is united in their love of something and standing in those auditoriums and like witnessing and feeling because you feel it, it's electric, feeling their reactions and their emotions and their excitement. That's what I miss. I, I agree. I hadn't been in a theater in almost two years. You know, this is the first one I saw since covid and 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 i wouldn't have gone for just like some comedy movie like even a movie you know i would have loved you know like but it's funny on its own like it's yeah a good movie but but you're right it's going to a movie like this that people have been invested in for so many years and have such love for the characters and are so just excited to you know in like you know getting claps like mid movie and cheer you know yeah first first just someone making an appearance you know right. like it and so i agree it, it was a really good experience to go see that on the big yeah, screen for sure so i think that wraps up our spider-man no way home review we're gonna be back next week to do episode six the season finale of hawkeye and we're gonna get to our matrix retrospective at some point before the new movie comes out next week so um until next time we'll see you on the screen bye everyone have a good one bye bye